0: The Education Apple, episode 14, recorded on April 25th, 2013. Welcome to The Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host today. And this is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom, as well as in the classroom of our daily lives. I think we see pretty much uh, every day uh, these days that uh, technology is really impacting our lives, and we like to discuss uh, the ways that we're seeing that happen, and that's what this show is all about. So um, we've got a number of uh, interesting topics to talk about tonight i think that you will find interesting and uh, hopefully helpful so we'll get that started here in just a minute but before we get to uh, that information i'll uh, introduce our cast for the evening we have uh, barrett mossbacker superintendent of briarwood christian school with us uh, today he's also a publisher in the christian school Mm -hmm. journal Uh, so barrett how are you doing tonight Bill,
1: I'm doing great. Glad to be with you again tonight.
0: Yeah, and glad you're you're feeling better. I know um, you've been under the weather the last few days, so it sounds like you're making a bit of a recovery there.
1: Well, our our uh, listeners may have to be a little patient with my voice. It's a bit on the froggy side, but we should be fine for tonight anyway.
0: Okay, good. Yeah, I've kind of been froggy myself a little bit, but I think we'll be able to to make it through tonight. So. um in addition, we've got a uh, new uh, guest tonight, John Sowash. Uh, he is a uh, Google certified trainer and teacher. Uh, he also um, has Sowash Ventures um, uh, LLC that he operates. And I think he refers uh, to himself uh, as the electric educator. Do I have that right, John? Yeah, that's my
2: blog, um- all right. uh I write on regularly. Uh it's a pleasure to be here, gentlemen. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to uh to add you in tonight and hopefully uh, in the future as well if you uh think it's worth your while. So uh I think uh this will be good to have a little bit of a, a Google twist to our discussions and
2: um Yeah, it's very kind of you Apple people to uh invite people are
1: <laughs> like me. Yeah,
0: know? yeah, I know we're we're probably breaking some rules here somewhere but Perhaps. That's well,
1: okay. I, I think we're affirmative action podcasters, aren't we, Bill? <laughs> yep,
0: yeah. You're right. You're right. We're we're nice guys here, so uh but yeah, I think it'll be uh great to get your perspective on some uh, some of these issues. So looking forward to that and I'm going to give you um uh, John, a little bit of uh, more of an opportunity later on in our show to kind of give some background on yourself and what you're doing and uh, what you've been involved with lately. So uh, we'll get to that in a little while. But to kick us off, we'd like to talk about the uh, the technology news in the past week or two. And um, there have been a number of things happened uh, in the past week. Uh, the first item I've got on my list here is... Um, that uh, Apple released some earnings earlier this week, and um, it was kind of a, a mixed bag, I guess you could say. Um, they actually did a little bit better uh, on their um, uh, income side, I think, than some people had expected, not a whole lot uh, better, but it was pretty close. Uh, but I think there's still a lot of concerns out there among the uh, the business community and the investment uh Community as far as what's uh, on the horizon for Apple, so um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But there, they reported net income of 9.5 billion, which was $10.09 a share on revenue of uh, 43.6 billion. So um, that actually came in a little bit above what the analysts had predicted. Um, So uh, that that was, I guess, good good news, but um I think the uh, the bad news was um you know they've they've uh, um not doing quite as well on their their uh, gross margin uh the the numbers are down a little bit there as far as the gross margin I think uh fourth quarter they were at 38.5% and uh this quarter was 37.5% so they were down a a a tick right there and then but last year same quarter they were at 47.4%. So it's uh definitely trending down a little bit as far as their their margins are concerned, but um they've still got a pretty good uh stash of cash uh in in the company at 144.7 billion dollars in cash and investments. So um they're not really hurting too bad there and that can uh can buy them a lot of uh business you would think um it's nice to have that kind of uh cash in your your reserves um Barrett, do y'all have that uh, kind of money laying around at school
1: he's speechless
0: yeah maybe he does maybe he just doesn't want to let us know
1: (laughs) i'm sorry i had muted my mic because i heard my dog start to bark and i figured our our listeners didn't want to hear my dog in the background (laughs) Uh, sorry about that no i said no not quite that much
0: not quite yeah okay yeah Uh i guess we would all wish we had something like that uh to to fall back on but they're in uh in good uh standing as far as that's concerned so um but uh i did see uh google I, I got a little piece of information here for you john that uh la- google i think last week reported 16% uptick in their profit on a 22% rise in revenue so um they are they are definitely moving in the right direction and uh going pretty strong there and i think uh, another piece of information on the google front is that they uh now own 70% of the worldwide smartphone market as compared with 21% um, for iOS. So, so the uh, Android is uh, doing well uh, on the worldwide scene there.
2: Well, the, the weird thing about that is that uh, if you were just to do a man on the street, Uh, I I would guess that the majority of people would say that Apple, hands down, has, uh, you know, lion's share of the uh, smartphone market. They do such a tremendous job marketing and um, just making their presence known um, that Google and Android has kind of been uh, sneaking up, but uh, not a lot of people know about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, another little piece of information I gleaned this week was uh, AT&T had released um, their – uh, quarterly report and I'm actually a an employee at, at AT&T as well so I kind of follow them pretty closely but uh, one little piece of information that they shared was that um, they had sold six million smartphones in the first quarter um, and uh, between 75 and 80 percent of those were iPhones so you know they are selling a ton of iPhones as compared to uh, anything else that uh, sure. that they're selling there. So, um, you know, at least in the States, I think um, uh, the iPhone and, and Apple has a pretty good uh, grip on things. But worldwide, um, Android definitely has uh, got the upper hand, I think.
2: Yeah. Bill, I was in uh Philippines a few weeks ago working with some teachers there, and um, I was working with 106 of them. And, uh, you know, I don't have exact numbers, but I would say that, of those 100-plus teachers, uh, fewer than five of them had iPhones. Really? Most of them had smartphones.
0: Yeah. But
2: um, yeah, internationally, Android is definitely king.
0: Is that um, attributed to cost differences, or what's what do you think is the main thing driving that?
2: Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know if I could answer it. For sure, i give some guesses. Um, you know, the iPhone was not available internationally um, initially, uh, and so some people may have gone different routes, and I don't think it's as easy to get. Uh, I think cost is also a factor. Um, I'm not exactly sure how all the other carriers, you know, what carriers um, support iPhone internationally. We worked a lot with a company called Smart, um, which I do think supports uh, the iPhone, but definitely... Uh, lot more androids than iphones
0: right right yeah well, that's interesting um but i think uh tim cook did did reveal uh or at least try to throw some some carrots out uh that you know they've got a lot of things in the works and um you know come fall time frame and then on into next year they are uh, planning on re- releasing um a number of new uh upgrades and new product categories i think so um you know there's been a lot of speculation we've talked about a few things here on this show as to what those might be you know with an iWatch or the ITV or um uh even some other things so um I think they are working diligently trying to uh, get some of those things ready but it sounds like it's going to be fall before we really uh, get a peek into what those are going to be but uh, he's I think just trying to um let people know things are coming which I think in this uh age and, and time uh people are pretty impatient and they're ready to see the the next uh, latest and greatest thing as quick as possible and I think that's part of what is uh, hurting Apple right now is that they haven't necessarily come out with a um you know real uh, G-wiz uh item uh recently and so people are are uh, anxious to see what the next thing is going to be there.
2: I have to feel a little bit bad for Apple. And when I say little, I mean really, really (laughs) little. I mean, they do have $144 billion, but you can definitely see the uh, Steve Jobs uh, shadow (laughs) being cast over the company. The media is just eating Apple alive. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. You know, they have huge profits, and still all the headlines are, apple you know makes money but future shaky or just, you know things of that nature because they don't they don't know if they can produce like they did when uh jobs was uh was around
0: we'll right. see. yep i agree i agree that's a those are tough shoes to fill and uh i don't know that anybody should <laughs> really fill those but um you know hopefully uh they'll get uh they'll make some headway here pretty soon and you know a lot of the things i think that are still in the pipeline, Steve Jobs' fingerprints were on. So, um, you know, that they should still come out with some uh, pretty interesting things here to uh to offer up shortly. So, we will just have to be a little bit patient and uh see what those are going to be. So, anyway, um let's move on to the next uh, item I saw on the news and that was uh, Netflix and the uh, um I don't know if y'all use Netflix very much, but they had, uh, I think they've kind of reinvented themselves a little bit with the uh, online streaming and uh, some um, uh, custom programming that they've uh, created uh, for their offerings. They said uh, shares are up at Netflix, um, nearly 24%, and uh, they've added about 2 million streaming customers, so um, they're definitely moving in the right direction and have some people's attention and um i think uh let's see in the first quarter they posted a net income of 3 million dollars versus a uh, loss of 5 million a year ago so they've definitely uh, turned things around there as far as their their net income is concerned um and uh another interesting thing that they have done is um the original programming like i mentioned Uh, they, they put together, uh, a series called House of Cards. That's, that was a, is a Washington political drama. And they spent a pretty good chunk of money on it. Um, I think around a hundred million or so. But, uh, it, it was very well received and they attribute a lot of their new, uh, customers to, to that, uh, uh, that program. And another interesting thing about that was they actually, um, released i don't know how many uh episodes it was 13 or 16 something like that they released all of those at uh one time so you didn't have to wait you know from week to week to watch it or whatever um you know, if you got into it you could watch the whole thing on one weekend or you know over a, a short period of time um so uh you know they've they've figured out some things that are definitely uh helping them out and like i said i think that's uh kind of uh, reinvented themselves because their DVD uh, mail business started to really take a hit not too long ago. And uh, but the the streaming piece of their uh, business is definitely uh, being uh, catching on with people. And uh, we've talked a little bit about that in the past as well, just how TV consumption and video consumption is is changing uh, from from what it has been, you know, just TV in the past to uh, people really utilizing, um, you know, the video on demand and some of these streaming services to uh, uh, take in a lot of more of their um, uh, video and uh, TV watching. So uh, just kind of interesting uh, business and something to keep an eye on because uh, it's definitely catching on and uh, uh, just a new way to, to um take in some programming i didn't know if y'all had any comments on any of that or um...
1: well i use netflix quite a bit and i recall it wasn't that long ago when netflix was getting a lot of bad press because of the way they increased and some of those issues uh, but it sounds like they even they may even though they may not have handled the communication particularly well it sounds like they made a very shrewd strategic decision
0: right
2: yeah i don't know what the dates are on the uh uh, the, the profits here, but it was, uh, fall of 2011 when Netflix really screwed up and, um, raised prices and tried to separate their DVD and, uh, streaming services. Yeah. And lost hundreds of thousands of subscribers in like a period of a month. I mean, it was a fiasco. Um, so it's interesting, you know, it says they, uh, you know they have more uh, subscribers. I'm wondering uh, if they're back up to where they were, or if they've surpassed that. Um, they've certainly had a few bumps along the road, but
0: yeah.
2: overall, I like what they're doing. In you know they're reinventing you know TV entertainment, and they're understanding that the viewers today are not like the viewers. Of previous generations, and a lot of the networks—it's ridiculous—that um, they they're trying to force old style of programming to those of us with much different viewing habits. I mean, I'll be honest with you: I do not—I don't even have uh, TV in my house, um, uh, traditional either cable or uh, uh, just local. Um, all the media consumption that I have is through subscription-based services. And I like to be able to watch, you know, three four episodes at a time and not have to, uh, you know, be on their schedule and watch commercials and all of that. So I, I like what they're doing.
0: Yeah. So you're you're one of the new generation viewers then. And, uh, yeah, I think more and more people are going to go that route. And uh, it certainly makes it more convenient. Um, if yeah, they've... a really weird uh,
2: thing that I've noticed about my own viewing habits, I actually prefer – uh tv shows over movies because i don't have time to watch a two hour two and a half hour movie but i can sit down for half hour and watch a you know a show or even an hour so um i think what they did with house of cards which i i've never even seen is um it's great because it matches the busy you know very mobile uh consumer that they're uh representing
0: right yeah yeah one of the first uh programs that i kind of um treated this way i guess was uh 24 i don't know if y'all ever watched uh, that program but you know the the concept of 24 was each each uh episode was one hour of a day and of course whatever was happening uh the whole season was one day's worth of activity now they packed a lot of things into that one day but um I think I started watching that show maybe in the third or fourth season, and uh, after I got hooked, I realized, well, I need to go back and watch uh, the previous uh, seasons, and, of course, they were already out, and they were online, and I was able to, to watch most of it in you know a weekend or a week or whatever and that really got me hooked on you know it's really nice to be able to watch more than just what the tv networks are dishing out you know a little bit at a time if you get hooked on something it's kind of like just a long movie you know as you want to take it in all at one time or in a shorter period of time than over the course of you know four or five months so um, I did that with 24 and then just realized, well, that's a nice way to do it if, uh, you know, the episodes are available. So,
2: Yeah, if I could paint with broad strokes here, you know, Netflix is, is really trying to shape the uh, video, movie, TV industry um, because the existing players don't want to change, and uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between that and the publishing industry, which is doing a horrible job um you know transitioning into a digital uh format and so you see a lot of pop-ups uh new companies who are, are reinventing it simply because no one else will um you know apple's doing that with the i uh, the ibook store kindle amazon um so it's very interesting i mean it just it shows you that <laughs> the free market economics uh it's gonna force people to change, or uh, they're gonna be in trouble. So it'll yep. be interesting to see, you know, TV, movies, books, uh, music has already really gone through that uh, transition. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's and it still still is. There's still players jumping in. Um,
1: well, an ex- example would be: Is, is Apple gonna come out with uh, what people are calling currently iRadio or something, where you have a lot more streaming on the music? So right. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah, we definitely got a lot of options there and we're going to talk about one uh, a little bit of a new one here in just a minute um with Twitter. Uh in fact, we'll jump on down to um uh well, no, we're going to wait on that one because that's in my my fun stuff category. We'll st- we're still on the the serious business here. In fact, <laughs> the next uh topic I had was um about uh the bombing in uh Boston uh this, this uh, last week it was and um I'm sure everyone uh was really mesmerized by that and the the coverage it got and um you know what was going on there and of course a lot happened in a in a short week, I guess from Monday to Friday. Uh uh, you know, it went from the bombing to capturing the, the, the suspects and how all that played out was uh <laughs> amazing really. I don't know if y'all had a chance to to watch much of that or or um you know recognize what all was going on but one of the things that i thought was real interesting was uh just how the internet and um uh the different uh services that are available on the internet were were influencing the investigation um i saw uh where you know one of the things that that um the fbi did was release those uh pictures and the video that they had which is really kind of uh unprecedented how they they had to do that uh, typically in something like this, you know that's that kind of information is is kept pretty private and close to the investigation. but in this case, you know they released the the photos and the videos of the two suspects they had. but uh, one reason I think they did that was because of um, things that were going on on the internet that was kind of uh, confusing the investigation they They mentioned that um, reddit the uh the, the the internet service which is i think they refer to themselves as the front page of the internet which is kind of a a news uh type service on the internet where um a lot of uh news uh, uh, reports and and stories get published and then the people that are reading uh that information vote on things and the 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 uh, uh, stories that get the most votes kind of make it to the top. So it's kind of a, a reader-driven uh, service. So depending on what the uh, the consumers and the public uh, opinion is, that's what gets to be front-page news. And so there was a lot of information out there, as well as um, I think the New York Post was was publishing a lot of information that was Uh, I think just inaccurate and wrong, wrong pictures of wrong people that were really not uh, part of the FBI's investigation. And when they came out with uh, the pictures, they basically said these are the, um, you know, to be considered the only official pictures and anything else that's floating around on the internet needs to be you know totally ignored because i think there was a lot of misinformation out there so um i just thought that that was very interesting how the internet really drove a lot of the actions and the the things that the fbi was was doing both from a private and a public uh, stance and um again it's just one of the things that uh, the internet is, is doing, uh, and creating new phenomenons in our culture and the way we're having to deal with, um, uh, events like this. What did y'all, uh, think about how all that played out? Did y'all have some, some, uh, uh, insights on that?
2: I had the same, uh, kind of thoughts and, um, it was an amazing, um couple of days because uh, i remember looking through some of my news feeds and seeing just the, how the internet was crowdsourcing this whole investigation Now i don't know that that's necessarily a good thing uh vigilante was definitely a word that popped into my mind um but it, it's just amazing what the the web and the, the connectedness of society has made possible and uh Anybody who's a terrorist uh, might want to think twice because we have got every square inch of this country plastered with photos. Uh, yeah. It's amazing how much media is out there um, that can be brought up uh, in a situation like this.
0: Yeah, it really is. And, and that was one of the things I guess the FBI had uh, going in their favor, I guess, when they knew that they had to publish these photos, that it was definitely going to gonna drive um you know, some, some pretty pointed information back to them. And, you know, uh, the one thing that, that I noticed was the initial photos that they released were pretty grainy and, um, they were good, but definitely not, not, real high quality but you know in just a matter of a day or so they had almost perfect pictures of these guys you know that other people had taken uh just with their own cameras and had turned in and these guys definitely did not recognize the uh the impact of of uh, you know the people around them and and the the uh, cameras and everything else that were taking their photos because um they did not do a very good job of disguising themselves, fortunately. <laughs> but, um, it was, uh, do y'all use that, uh, Reddit? Do y'all ever, uh, access that?
2: I, website? I'm not a big Reddit person. It's a little bit too, too Wild West for me. Uh, Reddit yeah. and, uh, 4chan are just. It's just crazy. That's that. I can't. I can't quite bring yeah. myself to go there.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. It's
1: uh, yeah. I, I've looked at everything. it. Yeah, I've looked at it a couple times, and <clears throat> one. I think their their whole web page design is kind of a mess, frankly. Uh, but I also am not sure I really trust. Uh, the quality of crowdsourcing ranking of stories. Uh, there's a lot of motives that go behind some of that. So I've not found it particularly useful myself either.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, I think this was a, a good uh, case that they really did have a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, I did not see the pictures that were being posted and the suspects that they, you know, kind of got uh, moved to the top from the crowdsourcing. But. Uh, apparently it was very inaccurate and in fact the uh, the links that i did see they basically took offline and uh, as soon as the fbi i guess came out and said uh, you know totally ignore all that Mm -hmm. uh, they (laughs) they took it offline so a good a good example of being real careful with with what we take in and consume on the internet and uh, definitely not believing everything that uh, we see or even believing everything that the crowd believes to be true um, so that's uh, that's a good example of, of uh, needing to be careful around things and issues like that so um, and then the last uh, story that again just really indicates um, what the internet uh, can do in a bad way is just a couple of days ago I think on Tuesday uh, there was a a Twitter hoax that um, uh, came across. Uh, somebody had hacked into the Associated Press Twitter account and posted a tweet that said breaking two explosions in the White House and Barack Obama is injured. Uh, now, obviously, that was not the case. But uh, in just a short period of time, that had a pretty significant effect on um A number of things one being the dow jones industrial average because it went uh uh, took a nosedive as soon as uh, that tweet came out now you kind of wonder well well, why did that really happen Uh, obviously if somebody took a minute or two to investigate that and find out that it's really not true then you know that should not have had any kind of an impact like that on uh, the dow jones but you know what happens is there are you know, things happen so fast uh in the stock exchange that there are a number of uh programs out there set up to uh watch the you know different internet feeds and and Twitter and that type of thing they're looking for specific uh words and specific phrases, and if those are flagged, they can kick off some automatic trading and that's exactly what happened in this case so um it did not uh happened for long but i think just in the course of uh, a matter of minutes you know the uh, the dow went down about 100 and i don't know 140 150 points and uh that was a pretty significant uh, uh downturn i think that that equated to about 200 billion uh dollars in trades um <laughs> when that happened so again just how something false can have a major impact on uh on, uh, you know, business and and other, uh, parts of our, our, uh, society. Um, and, uh, you know, we just gotta be really careful. I think in Twitter, uh, working on, um, some additional security and some, uh, some new approaches to their password protection and all that type of thing. Uh, and it, this, this is an indication of why they're doing that, why that's really necessary because, um. Hacking into some of these accounts that are, are uh, high profile and and putting messages like this out can have a, a huge impact and uh, something we've really got to be careful about.
1: Yeah, I think Twitter's working on two-factor authentication, right. um, and I use it anywhere where it's made available. For example, Google, I use it for that and some others. Uh just as another layer of security, and I'm surprised a little bit that Twitter is as slow as it uh, as they have been to to release it, but it's certainly this is an illustration of why it's so badly needed
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: this is very clearly a, an act of um you know cyber terrorism and uh it's gonna be a growing um, i don't know opportunity as more and more people connect to these sources of data and uh i mean it's a very you know, sending out one tweet seems so insignificant, but has such a ripple effect potentially.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really does. So that kind of wraps up the dark side of uh, our news. <laughs> um, but, again, just interesting things to uh, consider and be aware of and, and understand the uh, ramifications that all this can can have. A lot of people don't realize where uh, this type of thing can, can take us, so we've got to be careful Um but moving uh, off of the serious side of things in the news, I did notice uh, uh, that Volkswagen has announced an Beetle And uh, I guess it's a way <laughs> that they can get some attention um, when it comes to uh, the iPhone and how they're kind of trying to come out with a car that's going to integrate uh, the iPhone with their car. And I guess they've got some special features that they're going to include and, and make available. Um, through the uh, the iPhone integration, uh, but I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. I don't know how how much they can really do with that, but it definitely will get a, a headline or two as they uh, bring that out. I think they're going to uh, make that available in uh, early 2014, and and uh, Barrett, if you want to, you can go out and, and uh, sign up and order one up in October. So uh, that's as <laughs> well, soon as well, you can noticed, get to it. I
1: noticed they chose not to use Android.
0: Yeah, yeah, no Androids <laughs> there. No Android Volkswagen Beetle. Uh, so
1: uh, Google's holding out for for Ferrari, isn't that right, John? Well, Google, you know, they they have a uh,
2: self-driving car, yeah, so
1: you just <laughs> use yeah. your
2: own phone. <laughs> you do <don't laughs> anything. It's you just you you just go. do whatever you
0: normally do. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that uh the self-driving car, what did I see recently that's supposed to be uh, available Maybe in uh another couple of years or so, is that what I saw? I mean I know you can get one now and even some states allow it on the road, but uh, you know, I guess for public consumption they're they're talking about another couple of years, is that I think right?
2: It's still a few years out.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh just the fact that it's it's uh somewhat of a reality now is um signs that things are changing, so um and then uh, the final thing I've got in my, my fun stuff category this week is um, the uh, the new Twitter music app. You know, we were talking a few minutes ago about uh, the, the many uh, ways the music consumption is changing, and Twitter has jumped into the fray, and uh, they've got kind of an interesting uh, app that's available both on the iPhone. I don't know if it's available on Android yet. I'm sure it will be if it's not yet uh, but you can also access it through just a web browser uh, and it's their hashtag music app and um, I've looked at it and played around with a little bit and it's really pretty slick I've I've uh, liked what I've seen about it so far it's uh, got a great design very nice design uh, to it and they've uh, done a really good job with that Um, I think by default Uh, what, what it does is it presents a, a screen with a number of tiles representing different, uh, music tracks. And I thought it was, uh, kind of neat how they, uh, have made each screen or of course you have to scroll through the screen to see all the tiles, but they've made it to where there's 140 titles that they will present on one screen. So that kind of matches up to their, uh, uh, secret number or their magic number of 140 characters for a tweet so uh, they they took that little detail into consideration when they were designing this thing and um, they uh, have have uh, by default uh, if you want to listen to one of those music Uh, tracks you get the itunes preview so you don't get the whole song but you get uh you know the preview a minute or so of of the song but if you do have a spotify or uh, rdo account you can link those up so that um it recognizes that you are authorized to uh, listen to the whole uh, track and once you get your uh, spotify or rdo account linked up and you can listen to the whole whole song so that's how they are handling um uh their complete track uh uh viewings or listenings and then um and that works real real easy and um it's it's not hard at all to link those up and then uh the the second piece of that is that uh you know of course they want you to link up your twitter account uh with it and when you do that then it also gives you the ability. It enables a number of other features, but of course, one thing is you can tweet out what you're listening to, um, but then also are able to identify people that you follow as well as other artists uh, that you really like, and the application will use uh, those connections to kind of make uh, make selections for you. So um, you know that's one of the one of the ways that um the music is presented for you to to listen to so um that that all works really well and and real nice and um then there are four different tabs so you've basically got a screen or a tab that has the 140 uh, uh titles on it uh and then um Of those four tabs, the first one is popular or what, you know, is trending, the the new new music that people are listening to that's trending. And then the next tab is emerging, and they refer to that as hidden talent found in tweets. So they've got some way to look through all the tweets that they can and uh, identify uh, songs and music that is um, kind of hidden talent and then the third category is suggested which um are artists that you might like and i think that is based on who you follow Uh, i believe what that is is if you are following uh, certain artists it will use those artists and identify music that those artists like and then suggest that to you as well and then the final um Uh, page or uh, tab if you will is the now playing and that's by uh, people that are tweeting people that you know and you follow uh, what they may be tweeting uh, about as far as the music they're listening to so that's kind of how all that uh, fits together and works and i've been playing around with it for a few days and uh, pretty impressed by how they've put it together and how well it works and how e- easy it is to use the one thing that i don't think i i've seen and I, I don't think you can do with this program is if you like a particular artist uh listen to you know albums or complete uh tracks of their music i don't think there's a way to do that i could be wrong but i haven't seen that it's not very obvious if you can do that with uh with this particular app but um, have either one of y'all, uh, seen the app or played with it at all, or have any insights on that?
2: i just poking around with it right now. It's, uh, visually very attractive. Um, I'm not a huge music, uh, geek myself. Uh, I always rely on the recommendations of others to yeah. find new stuff, so right. I it would probably be helpful for me, uh,
0: yeah, they've done a really nice job with the uh the interface and one kind of neat piece of it is uh when you do play a a track, it will um bring up or you can bring up uh a little icon of looks like a CD with the actual uh music art uh on it. So each CD that pops up and it starts uh moving around in a circle when it's playing, it's got the actual uh track Work on it, and um, you know, just a lot of little details like that that they've taken into account. That uh, I think makes it really fun to to play with, and and works real well.
2: I think we're just uh, starting to see the uh, real usage of the data that people are adding to Twitter. Um, it's massive, and uh, starting to do some pretty cool things. You know, started with hashtags and. This, music app um just so much interesting information you can glean uh from all the tweets that are sent out
0: yep exactly exactly all right well uh we will move on then and um that kind of covers most of the uh highlights things that kind of jumped out at me last week or so in the in the technology world i know there's a lot of other things there but uh those were some of the highlights. So um, we'd like to kind of kick it over to Barrett and uh, see what is going on with the uh, Learning Unleashed program and uh, things that they are working on at Brerwood School related to their one-to-one program and um, where it all stands. I know um, uh, it's a little bit of a lull right now as far as the actual Um, program, but I know there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, Barrett, and I think you've got an update or two for us.
1: Yeah, just a couple of quick things. Uh, First off, next week I'm going to be in Vancouver. Uh, I've been asked to speak on the topic of innovative school, creating an innovative school culture, and I'm going to be speaking at the Vancouver Symposium on Christian Education for the 21st Century, and that is a gathering of about 500 educators Um, from multiple countries around the world Um, and it is a very engaging uh, innovative um, symposium and actually one of the large rooms we meet in is shaped just like the UN and so you sit around in this round assembly hall um, and you have sometimes a keynote sometimes you have different panel discussions and then some sideline discussions as well and it's just a great symposium on creating a culture of innovation within educational institutions and of course that's what we're trying to do with the um, Learning Unleashed program uh, at Briarwood, and insofar as uh, recent updates, you're right. A lot of what we're doing right now is a little bit in the background. Uh, but one of the uh, most interesting things was that we've had a couple of trainings now for all of our staff on uh, iTunes U, and uh, that's of course connected with uh, Apple's iBook Author program and creating digital textbooks. And of course, all of the huge amounts of uh, collegiate level and K twelve K-12 level course material that is available for free on iTunes U, and frankly, our teachers have responded more enthusiastically than I could have hoped or imagined, Uh, so much so that they're pushing us at this point to uh, deploy iPads more quickly than what we're planning on it because they're quite anxious to develop a lot of their own units using the digital textbook technology, uh, making those available on iTunes U, and then uh, sharing all that uh, information out to their students and parents and others. So, in fact, Bill, uh, you're, you're going to do a training for us on, I think it's June the 4th, on iBook Author. And right. we, we just made that available to our teachers. No expectation, no requirement or anything else, and we've had over 31 teachers volunteer to come in in the summer on their own time with no added incentive just to learn how to do this. And frankly, right. that's, that's pretty unprecedented, and I think it uh, demonstrates the level of excitement and interest that a lot of our teachers are demonstrating. Um, so.
0: So, so the pressure's on me to, um, to uh, keep their attention since they're on their own time, and it's in the summertime, right?
1: Yeah, you're going to have to deliver there, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid I am.
0: All right, well, we'll we're going to well, do I've our best. You.
1: I've seen you teach before, and I've seen what you've done with iBook Author, and uh, you won't have any trouble. You'll do an outstanding job, but it really is gratifying because when we first introduced the notion of one-to-one computing about, oh, a year and a half ago, uh, there was a mixed reaction, some with great excitement, some with great fear and trepidation, some with passive resistance initially. Uh, I don't know that I encountered any overt uh, resistance that I'm aware of, but uh, it was a mixed bag, and I would say right now – the vast majority of our faculty and staff are, are quite enthusiastic. Still still in pockets of stress and related, uh, related to how to do certain things, uh, but really quite excited about it. And then uh, I'm just thrilled to have John with us tonight uh, on the podcast because John and I are working together on a, um, a Google conference here in Alabama uh, that uh, John is instrumental in helping us put together. And we're going to provide two days of uh, training with Google, uh, August the 5th and 6th. And we're going to have both private and public school educators on our campus and uh, 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 be conducting a lot of that training and really looking forward to it. So it's not just about Apple. It's about the best tools available uh, for this one-to-one program as we uh, roll it out to our students.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all going to be good stuff, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad that John's involved. and. We're getting some uh, Google input here because I know they've got a lot of good tools and a lot of uh, offerings that will definitely help out our, our teachers and um, be an integral piece of, of what we're trying to do here. So that'll be uh, that'll be exciting to see how all that comes together. All right. Well, um, just uh, kind of springboarding off of that, I was going to let John since he's our our guest tonight and. Um, don't have a lot of background on him yet. I was going to give him an opportunity to tell us a little bit about himself. Um, we do know that he's a, a Google evangelist, um, but I imagine there's a lot more to him than that. So, John, why don't you uh, fill us in on your background and some of the things you're involved in and doing right now. Sure. And uh, I think I think you already referred to a trip that you took to the Philippines recently, so maybe you've got a, a story or two. Uh, that you can share with us from that as well.
2: Yeah, I we could share a few stories. Thank I bet. <laughs> so.
0: um,
2: yeah, I, my background is uh, as an educator. Um, I was classroom teacher for uh, four years uh, at the high school level. taught uh, life sciences, primarily biology was uh, my, my main subject, and uh, taught at a Christian school um, uh, just outside of Detroit, Michigan, that's where I live. Um, I'm kind of uh, right in the middle in between Lansing and Detroit, kind of the southeast uh, part of the state. If we had video, I'd, I'd hold my hand up and point. That's what we do in Michigan because we live in the Mitten. Um, and uh, I'm uh, married. I have three kids, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So I have a very busy household. Um After teaching, I was a school administrator for two years I actually helped uh, start the online program for Southfield Christian School. Uh, I've been doing that for a couple of years and uh, actually have recently uh, made a pretty big transition into uh, f- um, being a full-time entrepreneur. Um, I'm now a uh, uh, freelance uh, consultant Um primarily in the, the realm of educational technology so my passion is helping schools uh, and teachers um find ways to in uh, to use technology uh, effectively in ways that uh, increase student learning and achievement um and collaboration and so uh, I use a lot of Google products to do that a lot of Apple products to do that and uh, a lot of web web products um in general uh, my wife and I also own a uh, retail store in our hometown called Bloom Baby and Kids, and uh, that's a, an exciting adventure as well. So we got a lot of a lot of things going on, but uh, love technology, love teaching others and helping others uh, learn more about technology. And uh, like you alluded to, Bill, um, uh, my travels and consulting takes me all around the country, and uh, most recently I spent uh, 18 days in the Philippines uh working with a group of 100 uh teachers um just helping them learn how to incorporate technology into the classroom and that was one of the most rewarding trainings I've ever done um because this group was just hungry to learn and uh, I take for granted that uh, in the US you know we're familiar even at a very superficial level with some basic tools like Google Docs Uh, Well, we introduced this group to Google Docs for the first time. I think of the 100 there, maybe five had even heard of it. So it was just a tremendous opportunity to show them some tools that can really help take their uh, teaching and instruction to the next level. And they were so excited about that. Um, Just couldn't ask for a more gracious um, and enthusiastic uh, group of participants. It was really a, a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, that sounds really interesting. How did you get uh, hooked up with this group in the Philippines? Have you been over there before?
2: No, it's um, uh, kind of a complicated connection. Um, basically, um, you know, I've been uh, uh, connecting with various um, uh, individuals who are well connected in the ed tech community, and um, uh, one of my my friends is a gentleman named Rushton Hurley out of California, who's a pretty well-known national speaker. And um, this was an opportunity that was uh, given to him through a, uh, a university in California in the, uh, the Bay Area. And um, it was such a, a large group that he had to put a team together. And so I was fortunate to be able to go over there with him and uh, two others. And uh, we were the instructional uh, team. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We got to know each other real well. So just uh you know some connections I had and um people who share a common interest and uh passion for again teaching uh educators how to use technology effectively.
0: I got you. Well good. Um are you, now are you uh still teaching or have you have you uh ended your teaching career uh at the school and gone full-time into uh this new venture?
2: Yeah, I'm a full-time uh consultant now. So, um I am still teaching, I guess, but not in a traditional capacity. Um my focus now is uh training and teaching educators or adults on right. uh, effective use technology, but no, I'm no longer in a, a traditional classroom.
0: Okay. So is that uh that going well? Is it uh, what you anticipated or I'm sure you've had some surprises along the way, but Yeah. Uh,
2: well, we're pretty early into it. Um the the good thing is that there's something new every day.
0: Yeah. Uh, bad
2: yeah. news is that there's something new every day.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> right,
2: it can be tough to get into a routine. I mean, uh, in the month uh, month of May, I'm presenting to network uh, administrators, college professors, um, you know, traditional classroom teachers, the English department of a school. It's a wide variety of, uh, wow. of people right. with different needs and. Uh, experiences, So it can be challenging.
0: Yeah, I bet. Are you having to travel a good bit then?
2: Uh, you know, it depends. Uh, my trip to the Philippines is pretty uh, unusual. I do have another week-long trip. Uh, it's pretty far um, at the end of May. Uh, but the rest of uh, May I'll be within the state. I do a lot of driving, but it's all in Michigan.
0: I got you.
1: Hey, John, sp- speaking of Michigan, by the way, about 45 minutes ago or so, it was announced that Central Michigan's Eric Fisher was the number one NFL draft pick.
2: How about that? Yeah, girl, fire <laughs> so, up the chips. That's where my they, parents graduated from.
1: Oh, is that right? Well, yeah. I didn't know if you knew that or not, but that was breaking news about 45 minutes ago. So. Bear
2: here I thought you were focused on this podcast, and you're watching the NFL <laughs> draft live stream.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm actually monitoring Twitter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, he makes he makes me do all the work here so. He, that's right, absolutely.
1: That's right. Uh, uh,
0: well, John, it's uh that sounds really exciting. I know um it's fun to uh have your own business and uh with with the way things are changing so much in this particular field, you've got a lot uh a lot of interesting things ahead of you, I think. So, um, sounds like you're in a in a good position there, and um, hopefully you can stay on top of it. Sounds like you've got uh, a lot on your plate with your your three young kids and uh, another business. Does your wife run that other business, or how does that um, work?
2: We're uh, we're co-owners. I mean, we we uh, switch on and off. But uh, you're exactly right. It's a giant game of hot potato. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: depending on what you're doing at the time. I got you. All right. Well, excellent. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, and uh, to to move on to keep things flowing here, uh, kind of getting into our last sections, um, we like to share uh, kind of things that are new uh, as far as apps that we've uh, been trying out and think are worth recommending, as well as maybe uh, somebody on Twitter that we are uh, following that uh we feel like has some real value. So uh I'm going to let uh let Barrett uh start off with well, I I shouldn't let him start off because I see he's already uh hijacked my my uh App that I was going to recommend this week, but I've got another one, so I'll let you go ahead, Barrett. Go, oh, did go did, did
1: I pick one that you'd already had listed? Oh, yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it for you. No, I'll no, leave it for you. No, I actually it. got.
0: I've actually got two today, so you can use that one. I'll well, go I've got ahead.
1: two. I've got two as well, but I'll go ahead right. and take it. Uh, yep. I am not. I have not been for a long time a Yahoo fan. I have found their products to be deficient, et cetera. But they just released a new product that I think is fantastic. It's become my default to weather app. It's beautifully designed. In fact, I think it's one of the, I haven't found one even close to it as far as the quality of the app and the design, and that's the Yahoo Weather app. Um, it's, uh, in fact, John, you, you'll appreciate this. I posted a picture of my iPhone, of the, of the weather app on my iPhone on, uh, my Facebook, and, uh, uh I, one of my cousins is a PhD in laser physics and, in, um Uh, In Ohio, and uh, he was in Switzerland at a conference, and I posted this, and he, he emailed me back not recognizing what it was and said, is that from Google Glass? (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I said, yes. Uh, I, I, I wrote it back and said, yes, I'm one of the few people in the entire universe that now has Google Glass. And I said, I'm able to check my weather. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> so anyway, it is a, um, a fantastic app. I would highly recommend it if you want to check the weather. It's just beautifully designed, a pleasure to use. Another one that is really interesting, for those of you of our listeners out there who use Evernote, there's a new app called Bubble Browser for Evernote. And essentially it's like an, ever, it's like an uh, infographic uh, using bubbles or like a word cloud type of uh, uh, application for your Evernote notes and tags. And not only does it display them based upon the frequency and that kind of thing, but you can actually select them based on their tags, their notebooks, etc. And so it gives you a visual representation of the context of, your, of all of your notes, and you can also do your searches within the app. So it's really, it's really quite an amazing application.
0: So is that how does that uh work? Is that a, a- something you add on to Evernote, or is it a separate app, or how does that work? Uh, it,
1: it's a separate app, uh, but you basically connect your Evernote account to it, and it reads your tags and the titles of your notes and things, and it presents a visual representation of all of your notes within context. So, for example, if you ha- if you click on a particular notebook, and there's a particular word or subject or tag that stands out beyond the others, its bubble's going to be bigger than the others. I and see. so you get a general sense. And as you as you dig deeper into the app, it expands that bubble map, in effect, showing you the context of all of your, your notes. So it's really a pretty fascinating application, pretty useful for doing some searching on Evernote if you have lots and lots of notebooks and tags, which I do. So
0: yeah, yeah, maybe that's something that can be uh, added into the uh, iPad uh, users, the, the students, to be if they're really using Evernote a good bit. That might be uh, something they can find helpful as well.
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that's certainly true. And then my uh, Twitter pick is uh, Eye on Education. That's one word, Eye on Education. It has about 15,000 followers, and basically they track news related to innovative uh, uh, information regarding books and other resources for educators. Uh, So it's just a good general resource of news, classroom tools, and other items on the Internet related to education. And I just find it a great uh, place to keep up with information.
0: All right. Well, um my app pick one of my app picks was going to be Yahoo Weather um and uh I'll add on a couple more things to what Barrett said about it. I really do think it's um uh, an excellent weather app as well. I've got several of them um but the couple things that I really like about uh this particular app is that it it uses Flickr I think to um grab images of the city that you're in or the the city that you're looking at the weather uh, forecast for, and that's kind of the background, and that changes periodically. So you have a really nice uh, image of the city behind the information that it's displaying, but it also gives a couple of pieces of information that a lot of weather apps don't or that are maybe a little bit harder to find. And one is the, um, uh, wind indicator, how fast the wind you know the speed of the uh the wind and the direction and that type of thing, which to me I like because uh when I go out running in the morning, if there's a ten mile an hour breeze blowing from the north, it's a lot colder than you would expect uh it to be in in uh april time so um a little bit of information like that is pretty helpful um so it, it gives the uh the wind speed and direction as well as the uh time of the sunrise and sunset and all of that is done in a in a graphical uh way and uh they really have done a, a great job uh, with this uh, little app and well you it, can't yeah. beat the price either so
1: no, and uh, it's got a translucent background to all of it. And then, if you take your finger on the app and you swipe up, you, you dig deeper into the weather information that you were just d- just describing as well. Satellite map. Uh, it's yeah. just beautifully w- and done and well designed.
0: Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, so that is one that I think most uh, most of our uh, listeners who have any interest in the weather will appreciate. And then uh, I've already talked about it some, but I was also just going to. Um, throw out a pic of the uh, hashtag music app which again I think is available only on the uh, iPhone right now but um... That is a a really neat and very well done application that if uh, you like or are into music at all, I think you would find interesting to play with anyway and uh, may be very useful depending on how you like to listen to your music. So uh, check that out. And to go along with that, uh, my Twitter picks are a couple of Uh, musicians that i follow and like i was saying earlier if you have some musicians that you follow in twitter uh, the music app will pick up on that and um, i think what it does is it it checks the uh, music that those artists are following and uh, highlights of other musicians as well and they will it'll make uh, that available to you as Uh, selections that you might like to listen to. So if you pick a couple of uh, artists that you like um, uh, in Twitter, then that will show up in your music app. So those are are related. So I had uh, picked out Chris Tomlin uh, and Toby Mack. Those are a couple of uh, Christian contemporary music artists that I think are really, really good. And uh, uh, I like to listen to a lot of their music and, Uh, That just kind of helps to fill out some of the selections in the the music app. So uh, that's what uh, I was going to offer up today, and hopefully um, y'all might find that of interest. Uh, So, John, what do you have along those lines for us tonight?
2: Yeah, I'd love to uh, share a little bit about uh, an app that I've uh, used in the classroom. I just used it this year, actually. It's called ask Three then me so it's ask the number 3 then me and uh, it's a it's an app created by a, a local company um, just down the road from me uh, Techsmith they are the makers of Camtasia Studio Snagit uh, they make the ScreenChomp app bunch of, uh, of apps but ask three is that ask 3 then me is a, an interesting combination of two concepts um, you've got a whole genre of, um, recording apps that record what you see on your screen. So like edu creations, uh, screen chomp, uh, there's lots of them. So you can write on the screen and record it for playback, um, later on. And then you have a concept of a discussion board where you have a, a post and then people respond to that post. Well, ask three, then me combines those two ideas and it's designed to be used by a classroom teacher. So the teacher goes and creates a video of a lesson. So they can add images and annotate those images, and it records audio as well. Then they save that recording and send it out to their class, and students can watch it and respond to that video uh, kind of like a discussion board. And they can actually uh, uh, pinpoint a specific part in the video and attach a comment to that specific part. So if you're a math teacher and you're explaining how to do a math problem and a student gets to a point that they don't understand, they can actually leave a comment right at that point that says, hey, I don't get this step how you did that. They can add their own annotations to the video, voice recording, or leave a text recording as well. So it's a really interesting app. Um, it's, it's very new. Um, I don't believe it's out for Android right now. Uh, it's kind of in beta um, mode right now. So it's uh, just available for iOS and uh, has really been used primarily on the iPad. That's where it, uh, it works um, very, very well. So check that one out. It's free. And um, is really neat. It's pretty simple to use. And then for my Twitter pick, um, I'd love to invite people to um, collaborate and to uh, to begin uh, working with the educators that I worked with in the Philippines. And uh, we taught them how to use Twitter, and they all created their Twitter accounts. And some of them have been very very active. And you can connect with all of the Filipino educators uh, that I worked with uh, this month by using the hashtag KCIPANG. So that's K-C-I-P-A-N-G. And um, I just sent a, a message out to them saying that I was on the uh, podcast this evening. So if uh, you mentioned that you heard about them on the uh, Education Apple podcast, they'll know what uh, you're talking about. They're a great group. And um, young and very, very eager. So uh, I hope you enjoy collaborating with them.
0: All right. That sounds, sounds really good. Um, I'll have to check out that Ask Three Then Me. Now, is that something that you said um, you, you take a video, does the application itself uh, provide the, the resources to do the video, and then you post that? Is that how that works?
2: Yeah. You, you actually currently cannot upload existing video. Um, you can pull images in from your camera roll, and then you uh, turn on your recording, and it will record your voice and whatever annotations you want to make on the screen. And then uh, it will push those out to the cloud. And then your students, you set up a classroom. Um, as soon as you post a video, they're notified uh, in the app that there's a new video for them to watch, and they can uh, do so, hear your voice, see your annotations, and then add their own comments.
0: I see very interesting concept um all right good deal all right well we are um it's time to wrap up for tonight i think so um what we'd like to to close with is just where you can follow us and uh uh catch up with us on the internet so um for me uh you can find me on twitter at bill brazil that's b i l l b r a z e l and on the web uh website is billbrazil.com so uh you can find uh the show notes for um, tonight's episode as well as previous episodes at billbrazil.com and um uh you can uh, check us out there if you want to get any details uh about our show as well so that's where you can find me Barrett what about you where where can we find uh you on the internet
1: uh, the listeners can find me at Twitter uh, at b mossbacker. That's b m o s b a c k e r. And my blog is Christian School Journal.
0: All right. And John, where where can we find you?
2: My Twitter account is at j r sowash. My last name is S o w a s h. And uh, I blog at the Electric Educator. You get to that at uh, electriceducator.blogspot. Dot .com.
0: All right, good deal. Well, thank you all very much for uh, your input tonight and insights. I think uh, we covered a lot of ground and uh, revealed some interesting uh, insights tonight. So, hopefully our listeners think so as well. And um as always, if uh, you found some value in what we were talking about today, be sure to tell your friends and uh, watch for our next episode. Uh we should be able to get together in another couple of weeks, so um, that's our schedule at this point anyway. so so long for now, and we look forward to uh, getting back with you uh, in the near future.